weeks, we've been exploring this topic of Jesus breaking through with healing in our broken world. And we've talked about Jesus breaking through with wholeness, Jesus breaking through with authority, Jesus breaking through with access. And if you've missed any of those messages, I just wanna take the opportunity to encourage you to hop on YouTube or check out our podcast because I am so incredibly proud of how our team has taken this challenging topic of healing in a broken world on. Today, I'm gonna continue our series and I'm gonna be talking about the compassion of Jesus. Now, when you hear the word compassion, what do you think of? For some people, you might think of care. Perhaps you think of love or pity or empathy. Sometimes compassion is seen as feeling sorry for someone who's less fortunate than you. You know, I actually think compassion is one of those words that we use, we hear, we're really familiar with, but do we actually fully understand what compassion is? You know, when we look at the Bible, specifically in the New Testament, where Jesus is operating, um, there is compassion in a lot of different places. And in fact, compassion is often partnered with movement. It, it, the Bible often says Jesus was moved to compassion. And the Greek word there is spaghetti. Okay, now that I have your attention, I couldn't say the word, and so listen. Now you understand why I couldn't say that word, right? <laughs> well, this means to be moved as to one's bowels. The bowels were thought to be the seat of love, hence to be moved with compassion. So to be moved with compassion is like having a bowel movement. <laughs> I love you so much, my bowels have now moved. This is deep love, this is actionable love. It causes movement in our body. And I'll admit that this has actually kind of challenged me over the last you know, few weeks as I've studied this because I have been in a situation where it has been incredibly challenging for me to tap into my compassion. I have been potty training my fourth child, which I will admit to you, I thought was going to be a very easy experience. I have done this three other times, and yet I'm going on two months of potty training. Now, I know you've heard about the programs where you can potty train in a day or a few days, but you'll have to wait for my yet-to-be-patented program where you too can learn how it can take you two months to teach your child how to use the restroom. And specifically, she has really struggled with bowel movements. There has been a lot of waiting and a lot of patience. In fact, just on Friday, my husband and I decided to go over to India and do some shopping. And it took six trips to the bathroom to produce one movement. This test has proven so challenging for me. It's tested all of my patience. But in all seriousness, the Greeks actually believed that love lived in the bowels, lived in your belly. And this compassion, it was so deep, it was so moving and motivating that it moved us to action. And so today I want to suggest that as we look at the term compassion, we think of it as love in action. Love in action. I'm gonna take us now to Matthew 14, 14, and I'm gonna read from the New King James Version, which is not the version I usually read from, but I like how it says it right here. This is what happens when Jesus interacted with compassion. Verse 14 says, and when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. So right here, we see that Jesus saw the people and he was moved to action. He was moved with compassion and that compassion led him to healing every kind of disease and sickness. And what we see in Jesus's supernatural ministry is that compassion often came before his 
work. In fact, his compassion motivated him to teach and to preach, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, and yes, to even raise the dead. And so I think the question we actually have to ask ourselves today is, wow, compassion is key. It's key to kingdom ministry. And so what is compassion? How can we be moved and motivated to partner with Jesus? You see, Jesus broke through with compassion and as his disciples now, as his hands and feet to the world around us, we are invited to give compassion away to the world and partner with him in releasing wholeness all around us. And so I'm gonna pray and invite the Holy Spirit to be our teacher today as we explore this topic. And so we just say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you have for us today. We welcome you now in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we wanna be people who are moved and motivated by compassion. But before we get to that, I think we actually have to address the biggest compassion killer in our lives, and that is condemnation. Yes, condemnation kills compassion. Well, what do I mean? You know, most days we need our ability to judge, right? We need our ability to, to know whether we can make it through that yellow light. How many yellow lighters do I have out there? No, guys, defensive driving, okay, defensive driving. Or we need to know, like, is it okay that even though the milk is past the sell-by date, is it okay still to drink? I mean, I'm not gonna drink that, but it's fine for my kids, right? So we need to use this, this judgment. Sorry, kids. <laughs> we, we need, you know, we need the, the, the skill to be able to judge these things. Judgment, when it's used as this tool of discernment, it's just like a necessary part of life. But where judgment goes bad is when we pass it on to people in the form of condemnation. And the truth is that condemning people is actually a deeply rooted human practice. It's seen as totally normal. We judge people who look different than us, who act different than us, who believe differently than us. You know, you see a young teenager with a crude shirt on and you think, where is his mother? Or you scroll on Facebook and your favorite Facebook warrior has put out yet another post and you decide it's so dramatic you need some popcorn to go along with this one or you see a homeless person on the side of the road and you know your first thought is like, don't they know this isn't the best way to get help? And so we go throughout our days with this almost like film in our head of, of judgments and opinions and it, and it just keeps us from actually seeing people in front of us. It becomes so normal. We, we judge people's appearances and their motives and their actions and ultimately we judge their hearts. And this keeps us from being able to even see people, to love them, to be kind to them, because truthfully, we can't see them. And when we can't see them, we actually aren't gonna be moved to love for them. We're not gonna be moved to action. No, condemnation, it kills compassion. But if we're honest, there's other things that hold us back too. You know, many of us are incredibly busy. It's one activity to the next activity, one task to the next task. We're so busy, we're not even looking around at the people in our lives. We're not even looking up from our devices long enough to see people. Or there's others of us, you know, we are experiencing something called compassion fatigue. Perhaps you've heard this term before, but you know what? Over the last few years of the trauma and the drama and COVID, let's be honest, COVID has killed compassion. We are exhausted and the thought of caring, the thought of having to have a love that's active is honestly just exhausting. Especially if you happen to be in the field of education, if you happen to be in the field of healthcare, this is a real problem. I'm not minimizing this, this is real. We are facing compassion fatigue. And so I think we need to be honest with ourselves 
as we think about our lives and we think about partnering with Jesus and we think about our role in partnering with him to give away compassion and we need to look at these things that kill compassion. So condemnation, busyness, and yes, apathy. Compassion is a gift that God wants to teach us about. It's a gift that he also wants to impart to us. And specifically, Jesus has so much to teach us about how we walk in active love, how we actually have compassion in our lives, love in action. Because what Jesus did was he often embraced people who seemed unworthy, unqualified, and difficult with care and compassion. Instead of judging these people or being too busy or avoiding them or ignoring them, he saw them. He saw them. And when he did, he was moved to compassion into action. And so today we're gonna go to the book of John and I'm gonna be in John 5 pretty much the rest of today's message where we're gonna explore a story and look at Jesus's compassion and see what we can learn from this story. Okay, so in John 5, we find the story of the man at the pool of Bethesda. And here's a picture of the ancient ruins now of the Pool of Bethesda. And I found this so fascinating. This was one of those stories that people who were trying to invalidate the Bible often used because the Pool of Bethesda was not actually discovered until the 1880s. Now that sounds like a long time ago, but really in the scope of history, this was one of those things that theologians or, or historians had tried to say, well, you know, this story is not true. Well, they eventually found it. And this is a picture of that. And the, the term Bethesda, Bethesda, actually means house of mercy. I love that. And so this pool was a place where sick people, invalids, um, would come. And they would come because they believed that the, the waters had healing powers. So this had a very unique structure. And you can't quite tell it from, from this picture, but this pool was rectangular in shape and it had one rectangle up here and then there was a second rectangle that was slightly lower and it had what they called porches, which were kind of like columns with little roofs all the way around this rectangular shape. And then in the middle, there was a fifth column with a, with a, a cover on top. And so there was five porches, very unusual design. The reason why people thought that this water was healing and had power was because it was believed to be under a natural spring that would occasionally bubble up. And the people believed that what was happening in that moment was that an angel was coming down and stirring the water and the first person who could get to the water would be healed. Well, you can imagine, I mean, here are all of these men and women who are sick, who are desperate, who need healing. And there is incredible competition to get to that water and touch the water first. Theologians and historians believe that at a normal time, there was probably around 300 people here on any given day, but during the feasts, there could be up to 3,000. And I tell you this because I want us to imagine this moment where there are broken and sick people everywhere and they are desperate for healing. And that's where I'm gonna pick up in verse one, and this is what it says. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Now, if I read the first part of verse six, it said, when Jesus saw, okay, this is gonna be important. So what did we learn right here in this little moment? They're at the pool of Bethesda. This man has been sick for 38 years. It's an incredibly challenging situation. And when Jesus sees him, he's gonna be moved to compassion. But instead of reading it, we're gonna check out a clip from The Chosen. 
שלום. מי? יס. שלום. I have a question for you. For me. I don't have many answers, but I'm listening. Do you want to be healed? Who are you? We'll get to that later. But my question remains. Will you take me to the water? <laughs> Look, I'm having a really bad day. You've been having a bad day for a long time. So? Sir? I have no one to help me into the water when it's stirred up. And when I do get close, the others step down in front of me. And so... Look at me. Look at me. That's not what I asked. I'm not asking you about who's helping you or who's not helping. Rose getting in your way. I'm asking about you. <laughs> I've tried. For a long time, I know. And you don't want false hope again, I understand. But this pool, it has nothing for you. It means nothing, and you know it. But you're still here. Why? I don't know. You don't need this pool. You only need me. I just love how that series so brings these stories to life.
And there's just a couple of things that, that I notice here as Jesus's compassion has moved him into action, this love and action. And, and it's just three things. The first thing that I saw is just that he knows. And, and verse six actually says that when he saw him, he knew his story. Jesus knows everything about our lives. He knows about our thoughts and our situations and our problems and our brokenness. He knows your story matters to him. And I love that that is who our king is. Secondly, I see that he cares. The compassion of this scene, did you see Jesus's posture in this? That he lowers himself, that he looks in, in the person's eye, that, that he says, he asks them questions, he engages with them. You see, Jesus, he moves towards brokenness, not self-righteousness. And, and this man, this man's life, it, it's, it's broken. And it's been broken for a really long time. But in this moment, as Jesus sees him, he is moved to compassion. He cares deeply and he cares deeply for each one of the things that you're facing right now. But he also cares for the things in the other people's lives that you interact with. And, and I love what we can learn here in this moment from Jesus that as we are called to be carriers of his compassion, we're actually called to lower ourselves, to look in one another's eyes, to say, I care because we are called to extend the miraculous. We are called to give away what God has given to us. The third thing that I see in this is, you know, I said he, he knows, he cares, he can. You know, when he speaks to that broken body and he says, get up after 38 years, I love that interplay. You know, often when, when, when we are called to, to give compassion away from people, I think we should expect some resistance from people. And we really shouldn't take it personally. People are in hard and challenging situations. And, and I, you know, this man is like kind of questioning, like, dude, I've been like this for a long time. Like, I don't even know. And Jesus is giving him another way. And I think what Jesus is saying today when it comes to compassion is there is another way and I am the way. And that is what we actually get to give away to people. So he knows, he cares, and he can. But I do think we have to acknowledge something that's kind of challenging in this story, okay? Jesus, he walks through this huge crowd of people, hundreds, maybe even thousands, and he heals just one. And this is an incredible story, a breakthrough for this one, and, and it is encouraging, but I, I think we have to, we also have to hold intention that there were many there who were not healed. And this is something we have not shied away from in this series. We are kingdom of God people. We believe that when Jesus came, he brought the kingdom of heaven, he brought the future into the present. But we are in a battle. And we've been talking about this battle. We've been talking about the cosmic battle that we are a part of. You know, I like Daniel the very first week. He said, you know, healing now is kind of messy. It is kind of messy, but healing in heaven is guaranteed. And so this story is a, is, is a signpost. It's, it's, it's a picture of what the future is going to be, that every person is going to be made whole, that every sickness is going to be healed. And I love what Diane shared last week. You know, we don't, we sometimes have answers, but we always have access. And I think we have to lean in in stories like this. We have to ask good questions. And I wanna encourage you to be students of the word. When you read a story, ask the Holy Spirit, what does this mean? How can I interpret this? Because I know right now, some of you are waiting. You're waiting to be seen. You're waiting for your healing. 
And I want you to know that we wait with you. We hold those things in tension. What this story is showing us though is that it is a story of compassion, a story of love and action. Compassion is this key ingredient to seeing healing released in our broken world. And it starts with us seeing the people you know, pushing past the judgment, pushing past the busyness or the apathy. You know, I love how they even physically depicted the man. Uh, he was dirty. He, 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 he had not had a bath. And I think so often, you know, we don't see the people that God is putting in our lives to give away compassion to. And if we don't see them, we're never going to have the opportunity to be moved in love towards them. Like Jesus, we want to see people and be moved to action. Okay, I'm gonna continue the story because there's a couple other important things I'm gonna read now. This is the second part of verse nine. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders it was Jesus who had healed him. Okay, so what's happening in this part of the story? So interestingly, the first four chapters of John, we're really getting to know Jesus, but in chapter five, this is the turning point. This is when the Jewish leaders are going to begin to plot to kill Jesus. Jesus knows what he's done in this moment. He knows his mission and he's not dumb. And what he has just said is he has healed a man on the Sabbath and he's told the man to pick up his mat as a sign and a symbol of celebration, saying, you know what? This is the father who makes broken people whole. He knew what he was doing in this moment. He was actually challenging society's judgment of this man. And he was saying, there's actually something greater at work here. And it is the love and the mercy of the father. I am going to show you a new way This is uncomfortable because guess what? We are often like the religious leaders. We want things the way that we think they should be. And what Jesus is saying here is actually, my love is greater. My mercy is richer than you could ever know or imagine. Now, often people interpret this as like, well, I guess you guys are just gonna love people and be soft on sin. Well, guess what? Jesus actually dealt with sin when he went to the cross. He paid the price. What we are gonna actually do is we're gonna be hard on love and we're gonna show people that there is freedom when you say yes to Jesus. And this is actually what Jesus was doing. Jesus wasn't being soft on his sin. How do we know this? Jesus actually cares about wholeness in every area of our lives. We know this because what did Jesus do? He went and found the man and he said to him, stop sinning. And what he's doing in this moment, he's actually giving him his new identity. Before Jesus even did the work on the cross, he's foreshadowing there is a new reality. You have a new access. You get to be free from the sinful things that actually keep you entangled. You you know, it, it doesn't have to be love means acceptance of all things. Love is Jesus. And Jesus shows us a new way. And that new way is a brand new identity, a new creation. Jesus wants you to encounter his love. He wants you to encounter his love, but he doesn't want you to just stay in the love. He wants you to experience the transformation that he paid for with that love. He wants you to become a new creation, to live as a new creation. And so I I love that this part of the story actually shows us that Jesus, he cares about wholeness in every area of our lives. And as we love people in compassion, what do we need to do? We need to point them to Jesus. We need to point them to the fact that there is a better way 
that they get to become active participants that they can then be filled with the Holy Spirit and live a completely new life. Okay, I'm gonna read just a couple more verses because there's a couple more things that are still really important. This is verse 16. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, Father is always working and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. A couple really important points as we think about partnering with God in compassion. I love what Jesus is saying here because it's, it's so healthy for us and it actually helps us set some boundaries. Uh, you know, again, Jesus, the, the, the Jewish leaders are furious. They don't understand his radical new way of thinking, but he says three things I think we have to note. The first thing he says is my father is always working and so am I. Did you know that your father is always working? God is always at work. And when we say yes to him, we become his co-laborers. You're co-workers with Jesus. How awesome is that? And every day where you live and work and play, you get to partner with Jesus. The Father is always working, and Jesus says, and so am I. And so we're invited into this work. Now, for some of you, you're thinking, oh, this feels like pressure. Well, good news. Let's keep, let's keep dissecting what, what he says here because there's actually some really helpful things for us to keep in mind. The second thing that Jesus says here that's so important is that the Son can do nothing by himself. I am so comforted by this verse because you know what? It's not us who heals in the first place. It's, it actually, we can't heal. We can't even love people without the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. And so the son does nothing by himself. So we shouldn't try to do anything by ourselves. If you leave today and you think, gosh, now I've got to really muster this up. I'm just going to tell you, you're going to straight up fail. Okay, we can do nothing by ourselves. We must be empowered by the spirit. And then Jesus says, um, you know, he only does what he sees the father doing. Again, our sight is gonna be so important and we're gonna land there in just a minute. He only does what he sees his father doing. This means that his father isn't always doing everything. And for some of us, we need to actually get out from under pressure and live in participation. We, 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 we like, the burden feels so heavy when it comes, like, well, I have to do these things. I have to do these. No, we get to do these things. We get to do these things. We're gonna take off the pressure and we're gonna live in participation. We get to be co-laborers, giving away God's compassion, which is actually giving away healing to a broken world around us. And so this is the truth and the power of John 5. What, what does all of this actually mean for us? Because we do wanna be people who are moved and motivated by compassion. We want to see people as God sees them. And so I think there's two things that I just sensed the Holy Spirit saying, and of course I had to have them alliterate. So the first is see. We wanna see people the way that God sees people. It, this actually starts first with our sight. And so for some of us, that, that killer of condemnation is gonna have to be pushed to the side. For some of us, it's busyness. For some of us, it's apathy. But we wanna see people the way that God sees them. And this is only done supernaturally. This is when we invite the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, show me what I cannot see. Help me, give me vision that I could see every person made in the image of God of much worth and value. 
And so this means that we're gonna see our family, we're gonna see our neighbors, we're gonna see our coworkers, we're gonna see our small group members, we're gonna see any person, the grocery store checkout person. We're gonna see every person as God sees them. And then for some, the Holy Spirit is inviting us to be moved to compassion. We only do what we see the Father doing. We wanna see everyone with a fresh set of eyes, but for some, we're gonna be moved to compassion. And when we're moved to compassion, we're gonna sow compassion. We're gonna sow compassion as the Holy Spirit leads. So we're gonna see people and we're gonna sow. And this compassion, it could be kindness. It could be healing prayer. It could be a word of encouragement. It could be lots of different things. But as the Holy Spirit moves upon us, we will be moved to action and we will love people in our lives. So we're gonna see people and we're gonna sow compassion as the Holy Spirit directs. And if this happens, I do believe we're gonna see a breakthrough of healing because Jesus has broken through with his compassion. And now we get to be partners with him. And this healing, it could be physical, it could be spiritual, it could be relational. We are his coworkers and he is inviting us to give away compassion. I'm just gonna end by telling you kind of a, a small story because I, I actually want us to realize that this, is, this affects all areas of our lives. So a couple months ago, I was getting ready for work. It was a busy morning, getting the kids ready. My phone rings and I look down and it's the elementary school and I'm kind of thinking, well, that's weird because my kids aren't at school yet but I answer the phone and it's the school nurse. Now, if you're not a parent, you don't understand the fear that hits you when the school nurse calls you because you're not sure what it is. Lice? No. <laughs> COVID. And she tells me one of my children after one day back had been exposed to COVID and was gonna need to quarantine for 10 days. And I will admit that my tone got a little curt and I started asking all the questions. Could they do tests to stay? Which means like they test them so they can stay in school. No, they were too overwhelmed with the amount of students. And then I said, well, um, could I take her to get tested on my own? And, and then I'll bring her. No, we don't allow that. And I will admit, I started to get frustrated and I started to say, I'm a working parent. I'm really stressed. This is really overwhelming. And the next time that nurse opened her mouth, her voice cracked. And in that moment, I saw her in my mind. I saw her in a little office with a stack of papers with parents she had to call to say, your kid's gonna be quarantined. And I felt something move inside me. And I took a deep breath and I said, I'm sorry for my tone. I'm gonna pray right now that you have the grace to make all of these phone calls. And that was it. There was no miracle, there was no, you know, hallelujah, thank you. There, I don't even know that there was a thank you. That's not actually the point. The point was, in this moment, I saw her and I was moved to action. I was moved to compassion. This is actually the call we have as naturally supernatural disciples. We are partners with Jesus. We actually get to give away his compassion, his love and action to a hurting and a broken world. And it can be as small and as minuscule as being kind to someone on the phone. I wanna encourage each of us this week and beyond to begin to see people the way the Father sees them and then sow compassion as he leads you, as he moves you. This is what it means to be a kingdom partner with God. And so I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna worship and we got a little fun thing that we're gonna do for ministry time. So Holy Spirit, we need your help to do this, to see people the way that you see them to sow compassion as you lead, God. We know this world is hurting and broken. We know that we have been sent as your army of love. And so God, I just pray right now that where we have 
even partnered with judgment or we have partnered with busyness or apathy, break that off and we just pray for just a baptism of your love today during our service. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, we have something really fun that is gonna happen today. During our ministry time, I wanna give you a heads up. Our kingdom kids are actually gonna be coming in and worshiping with us, and then they are gonna be helped leading us in ministry time today. Kids have an incredible ability to see. And so we wanna invite them in. And so we'll do that after a time of worship, but you guys can go ahead and stand and we can worship, and then I'll come back up in a little bit and we'll do that ministry time.